Hello, and welcome to the Simply and Fiercely show, a podcast for women who want to clear their clutter and create space for freedom and joy. If your life keeps getting bigger, but not better, keep listening to learn about decluttering from the inside out. It's about creating a life that's aligned with your values and priorities, so you can have more of what matters and less of what doesn't. I'm your host, Jennifer, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Jennifer here, and welcome to another episode of the Simply and Fiercely Show. Today, I want to talk to you about how to avoid mid-decluttering regret. And by that, I mean when you feel really inspired and you start off to do a big decluttering job. Let's say you're decluttering your closet and you take everything out and you dump it on your bed and maybe you go through your drawers, you get everything out, right? You're feeling really inspired and you get started, you start going through your things and then you hit a wall. You just lose all of your motivation, you're exhausted, you have no energy and then you look around at your giant piles of stuff which you have dumped out everywhere and you have this moment where you think, oh my God, what have I done, right? (laughs) And I used to think that was just me, but it must be very universal because I've seen tons of reels which feature this same concept recently, right? It's just this person sitting in a room with a huge mess and stuff everywhere kind of going like, what have I done? And so if you've been there, this episode is for you. I'm going to talk about how we can avoid this. But first, I just want to quickly point out why this is such a problem. Obviously, nobody wants the experience of running out of energy and then you still have your stuff dumped out everywhere, right? Because now you have to clean it up. (laughs) And that's not fun for anybody. But I also want to point out two other things. One is that when you are in that state and you've taken everything out and you're surrounded by all of the stuff that you want to declutter, and then you run out of steam. Yes, you have the, what have I done in terms of, like, why did I take everything out? Why did I, you know, take on this project today? Now it's such a big mess and I'm exhausted. But what I have found is that when I'm decluttering and I'm sort of stuck in one of those situations is that I'm often usually a little bit emotionally fragile and seeing all of my stuff out really, really gets to me right? Because I don't know about you, but when I was a shopaholic and I had tons of clothes, yes, I knew I had tons of clothes, but when they were all tucked away neatly in my drawers and in my closet, etc., it was easy to kind of pretend like I didn't have as much as I did. But then when I dumped it all out, right, it's like kind of like being smacked in the face by reality and just seeing how much stuff I had. And so the whole what have I done was Yes, it was like, what have I done today? But it's also like, how did I let it get like this, right? Like shame and overwhelm I would feel once I realized how much clothes was out there would really hit me hard. And I suppose there's some who argue that that's good. Maybe you need that wake up call to shake things up. But for me, I personally found it to be kind of the catalyst for a really negative cycle. So if I go to declutter, and I have a really negative experience, right? I don't accomplish as much as much as I thought I was going to do. I have this overwhelming sense of shame about all of the clothes that I've bought. And I just also feel really exhausted, right? It, it's just the worst thing. You've then created this giant mess and you look around, and you're like, oh God, what do I, you know, how am I going to deal with this? It's not fun. 
So what happens is the next time that you go to declutter, you remember that, right? You remember how stressful and anxious and the giant mess, right? You remember all of those really negative feelings. And so what happens is now it's that much more challenging to get you motivated to start again. And even more than that, if your memory of decluttering is that it was a massive, time-consuming project, right? Because you had like the first half where you're feeling motivated, and then you had the second half where you're like just basically cleaning everything up. If you're anything like me, I was just trying to shove everything back into my closets at that point. So what I learned from the experience was decluttering is really hard work, and it's going to take me a lot of time. So there is no point in starting until I know that I have tons of time to work on it. So what the uh, consequence of that was, I just kept procrastinating on decluttering. I kept saying, well, now it's not a good time. I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. I'm not going to start today. I will wait till a better time, right? I'll wait till the holidays. I'll wait till the summer. I'll wait till some invisible point in the future where I'm not going to be so busy, right? But if you are anything like me, you may have realized that often that point never comes because then other things come up and it just ends in this cycle where you never really have the time and energy to do the decluttering that you want to do. Okay. So that's why I'm recording this episode. I would like to help you avoid that mid decluttering regret so that you can take a more slow and sustainable approach to decluttering. This might sound a bit wild because it's really different than what a lot of decluttering advice says, but I don't think that you need to do it in one weekend or do it in one week, right? I am a big fan of a slow, steady, sustainable approach where we spend a bit more time thinking about our stuff and what we want to keep, but the result is that we end up with spaces that we love, spaces that serve our lifestyle. We end up decluttering in a way that doesn't burn us out, And we learn a lot about ourselves and we can apply those lessons to other areas of our life. Okay, so I just want to share some tips, as I said, for how to avoid this mid decluttering regret. And the first one is probably the most obvious, but I do want to point it out. And that is you don't have to take everything out of your space to declutter. Yes, I know that's what a lot of advice says. I know that Um, I'm pretty sure the KonMari method recommends that you always have to start by taking everything out, taking everything out so you can see everything. And sure, there are some situations where that might make sense, right? If you are decluttering a toolbox, let's say, then you really need to know, like, do I have five hammers? If so, I don't need to keep so many, right? So I'm not saying that method never works, but in my experience, lots of time, what we are decluttering is not, how should I put this? Whether you decide to keep something or not does not depend on the other items that you keep, even when you think it does. So let's say, for example, that you're decluttering your closet and, you know, you hear a lot of advice that says, hey, look, you have seven red shirts. You only need to keep one. And yeah, logically, it makes sense. And for some people that might work. But for me, What matters more is like, first of all, are you even wearing red shirts? Do you even like red shirts? Okay, let's get that out of the way first. And then we can evaluate each one on its merits. Like if you have a red shirt and the fit 
let's say the neckline, you know, you never wear it because you don't really like the neckline. It's a bit too low or it just doesn't fit right or it's a bit too fancy for your lifestyle or whatever it is. You can make a decision not to keep that red shirt and it doesn't matter how many other red shirts you have, right? You don't need to keep something that you don't feel comfortable wearing, whether that's your only red shirt or not, right? We don't live in a world, I guess, unless you work at Target or something, um, but we don't live in a world where everybody needs a red shirt. So this concept that whether you keep something depends on what else you own is just simply not true most of the time. So you don't need to stress yourself out by pulling everything out of your closet, okay? Also, I want to mention that if you are someone who has a lot of stuff, right? If you are like me, as I said, I, you know, if you are a regular listener of the podcast, you know that I am an ex-shopaholic. I used to have over 100 pairs of shoes. I used my entire guest bedroom as a spare wardrobe, right? And so if I was trying to create my ideal wardrobe, right? Because I just want to quickly mention that is the goal with decluttering. For me, it's not just about owning as little as possible, right? Because I've definitely worked with clients who have decluttered a lot and they don't own a lot of items, but they find themselves stuck in a cycle where they're constantly buying new things and then constantly decluttering things. And so at, at any one point in time, they don't have that much stuff, but the consumption cycle, things coming in and things going out, is still out of control and that's not what they want. So owning as little as possible is not the goal. Instead, what we want is a closet or a, you know, I don't know, whatever other space, your pantry, whatever it is that you're decluttering, you want that space to be really functional for you and to re represent your personal style, your taste, but also your lifestyle, uh, your realistic constraints, like the size of your home, etc. And so if that is the ultimate goal, instead of going through a million items and picking them up one at a time and being like, do I like this or not? It's actually better, I think, to try to reverse engineer your space. Okay. And so I think one analogy that I could use that would help you visualize this is that if you are someone who had a pantry, let's actually use the pantry as an example. If you only have five things in your pantry, then yes, your brain should be like, hmm, what can I do with these five items, right? But if you have 200 items in your pantry, it's better to decide what you want to cook first, then look for the items, okay? So if you take my closet, for example, which had like 200 I'm sure well over 200 items, right? Instead of going through everything kind of one at a time, be like, oh, should I keep this? Should I not, right? I don't need to dump everything out and make a huge mess of my bedroom and stress myself out to decide what to keep. I can start by thinking about, all right, what kind of closet do I want? What kind of style do I, like, what are my favorite things? What do I wear most often, right? And then I can work back from there. So I've got like my favorite things. And then it's almost like you shop your closet and think, okay, so of the stuff that's here, if I was building my ideal wardrobe today and I've already pulled out some of the stuff that I really like, what things would go with that, right? And then build your ideal wardrobe and then get rid of the rest, right? Um, obviously, it's not always that simple, uh, but you can really, I think that that kind of perspective of sort of starting with the end in mind is so powerful and can really remove some of the overwhelm. 
So you don't have to do it all at once. You can just do it in little bits and pieces. And I will just quickly mention that if that is something that resonates with you, I'll put a link in the show notes. I actually have a program called the One Day Closet Cleanse, which is really built around this concept of reverse engineering your closet. So we build your wardrobe around what you own, or sorry, not what you own, about what you enjoy the most, what you genuinely like wearing. And then I show you how to declutter the rest. Okay, so that's called the One Day Closet Cleanse. I will put a link in the show notes, but regardless of whether you're interested in that or not, the concept is the same. You do not, in most cases, have to take everything out to start decluttering. You can pick up an item and look at it and judge it on its merit independently of what else you own. And you can start with saying, like, what is it that I really want and go from there. Okay. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is something that I teach inside my group program, Clear Your Clutter. And I highly recommend that everyone does this. And that is if you are someone who gets stuck, right, you're decluttering a lot of space and you're worrying about running out of steam midway through, use a timer. Set a timer for, say, five minutes or three minutes and don't spend longer than that set amount of time on any one item. Now, that doesn't mean you won't get stuck. That doesn't mean you'll have an item where the end of three minutes or five minutes will pass and you won't know what to do. But that means that that item is not something that's easy to declutter. It's what I call stubborn clutter, right? There might be some emotional detachment or something you have to work through. And you don't want to get stuck in that heavy kind of decluttering, right? Put that aside, put it in, a, I call it a maybe pile. You can come back to it later. But what you want to do so that you don't end up burnt out halfway through is you just want to keep going. You want to keep going through your space so that you can get through to the end. And then you can have all your difficult to declutter items set aside. And then you can pick them up one at a time, right? Because these are the items that are hard to declutter. So you don't need to overwhelm yourself. Pick one up one at a time and work through it. And if you do that, you're not going to end up burnt out, giving up halfway through your decluttering. All right, so that's my second tip. My third tip is if you recognize that decluttering is both physical and emotional work, you can plan accordingly by setting realistic expectations, okay? So I guess the way I think about this is part of the reason that people get stuck decluttering is because they think it's a cleaning job. And cleaning is hard physical work, but usually you can just grit down, right? You can just be tough and push through it. Like, I don't love cleaning. I'm not a naturally clean or organized person, right? But like, if I set a goal to clean the bathroom, I can just turn on some loud music and just push my way through, right? even if I don't want to get it done. But when we recognize that decluttering is not like cleaning, decluttering has elements of that, but it's also very emotional and energetically draining, right? What you have to do is make decisions over and over and over. And science shows us there's the concept of decision fatigue. We can only make so many decisions and then our brains start to fatigue and the quality of our decisions decrease, right? And I think that's what this whole decluttering regret is. That's probably when you hit the wall with decision fatigue. So if you recognize that there is a, a mental hole, right? That there's an emotional load. A lot of the spaces that we declutter, even if they don't seem like emotional items, right? You're not like 
decluttering your mother's old clothes or old family photos, but there's still emotion. I would argue that everything you struggle to declutter has some kind of emotional attachment behind it, even if you don't realize it, right? And so that is heavy work. It's very draining work. And it's almost like, (laughs) this might sound a little bit silly, but honestly, I think it's sometimes like going to therapy. You're digging up old stories. You're poking around the past, right? It is sometimes very hard on our psyche. And so we have to recognize that, go in with that expectation. And if that's the mindset that we're going into decluttering with, then we're going to know, like, I'm not going to spend eight hours decluttering today, right? You wouldn't go to therapy for, you know, or you wouldn't go to some kind of, you know, there's not much that you would do for eight hours, honestly. Um, Even if you went to work, you know, we go to work for eight hours, but you're not sitting there usually doing like one intense task for the whole time. And so the same applies to decluttering. So what I highly recommend that people do is to plan accordingly. You want to stop before you reach 100%. You don't want to burn yourself out. You want to stop where you can maybe go for like 70% of what you think you can do. And then one of my favorite tips actually is to build self-care, some kind of self-care activity into your decluttering routine, right? So let's say this Saturday, you've got an hour and a half free for decluttering. Cool. Plan that you're going to spend an hour decluttering. And then maybe afterwards, you're going to spend a half hour doing something that will help you decompress. And that's going to be kind of different for everyone. Maybe you need to go for a walk. Maybe you need to call a friend. Maybe you need to read a book. But you just need to sort of, I don't know what the word is, like discharge some of that emotional energy, right? You need to give yourself time to recover from decluttering. So I hope you found that helpful. It's just a few things that you can try, practical tips as well as some mental reframes that will hopefully help you avoid mid-decluttering, oh my God, what have I done regret? Okay, so that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Simply and Fiercely show. If you want to learn more, you can download my free mindful decluttering guide and learn all the secrets that help me go from shopaholic to minimalist. All you need to do is visit simplyfiercely.com backslash free guide. That's all one word to get instant access. Until next time, thanks again 